This episode of TGC Q&A's Christians in Healthcare series is sponsored by Remodel Health. Remodel Health is the health benefits software and consulting that helps employers save money and care better for their team. To learn how you can save an average of 35% on health benefits, visit remodelhealth.com TGC. You're listening to TGC Q&A, a podcast from the Gospel Coalition, and this is the Christians in Healthcare series, where we will seek to answer questions at the intersection of faith and medicine. My name is Dr. John Dunlop, and I am a geriatrician that practices medicine. Today, we'll be talking about one of the more difficult areas that we encounter in the end of life, and that is dementia so often spoken of as a tragedy and a heartbreak, but we need to try to understand dementia in the context of God's Word. One of the questions we received about the end of life, what is the hardest part about the effects of dementia? Dementia is tough, but I'm often reminded of what Paul said in the book of Acts, that it's not without tribulation that we will enter the kingdom of God. And dementia is certainly one of the more difficult things that we deal with at the end of life. They're so often associated with a loss of hope of things ever getting better, ever going back to normal, and it's so hard to accept things are likely going to continue to get worse. There's the challenge of the loss of relationship, particularly for a spouse, not being able to relate to your closest companion over the years is so frustrating. And then there's the disintegration and change in personality People with dementia just so often don't behave like they used to. They're irritable, they're, they have trouble communicating, and they get frustrated, they get depressed. And those personality changes just make it so much more difficult. I did a master's degree in bioethics uh, 20 years ago, and I started to get interested a little bit in this and decided to write a paper on what is God's purpose in dementia? And I remember talking to a friend at church, uh, telling him that I was starting to think about that. And he said, well, John, what are you going to say? And and I said, well, I don't know, but it's, it's going to be short. And now, uh, 15 years later, I've written a whole book on that area titled Finding Grace in the Face of Dementia. How can we view dementia in the context of a loving, strong, and powerful God? So the second question that came along with this was, what hope is for those who have it and for their families? God is in control. God is sovereign, and God is powerful, and God is loving. I love Psalm 62, uh, the last two verses. God has spoken twice. Twice have I heard this, that power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love. God is powerful, and God is loving. And as we look at dementia, uh, if we're ever going to be able to come to grips with it, I think we need to understand, yes, God is powerful. He could have prevented this. He is loving. Uh, It's not because he doesn't love us that this happens. And then I turn over a few pages in the Psalms to Psalm 57, Verse 2, where the psalmist says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. 
There are times in life when we cry out to God, we're miserable, God help me, help me understand this, give me strength to get through it. But even while we're lamenting, while we're crying out to God, we still recognize that he has purpose and, and he does have purpose in dementia. Well, what are those? Well, I start by thinking about who we are as people and uh, go back to Genesis 1. And it says that God made us in his own image. And then in Genesis 2, it says he breathed into us as human beings the breath of God, made in his image, enlivened by his breath, means that we are all as human beings created with a dignity that is inherent. We don't earn our dignity. We have dignity because we're human beings made in God's image, enlivened by his breath. And that is the basis of my approach to people with dementia, to realize that even though the, the image of God is not very well reflected, it still imparts to these people a profound dignity, which I am privileged to be able to respect. And that dignity was certainly defaced and, uh, and damaged by the fall into sin. We, we don't reflect God in the way we were intended to, but we still have that dignity. And I, I'm impressed in the book of James chapter 3, it talks about people we would love to just cuss out, and it says they are made in God's image. So our dignity is not something we earn, it's something placed on us by our Creator. And the other thing I think that we need to understand is that all people share equally in the image of God. It was said in a different context, of course, by Martin Luther King, uh, who said that there are no gradations in the image of God, that everybody has the same image and has the same dignity imparted by being made in that image. So, yes, it's, it's hard to look at dementia. There's, there's no good reason to expect improvement in this life, but we can take confidence that God is loving, God is strong, that he has purposes, and that even people with severe dementia still deserve dignity. And our challenge is to learn how to treat them in a way that respects their dignity. Another question that came to us is uh, one that actually I'd love to hear. The question is, is there a way to differentiate between worsening dementia and the effects of polypharmacy? Uh, at the outset, I introduced myself as a geriatrician. Now, a geriatrician, an internal medicine doctor who has done additional training and board certification in the care of elderly people. And we as geriatricians approach some of our issues differently from our colleagues in internal medicine. And one of the things that we really don't like is pushing a lot of medications because we realize that the older people are, the more susceptible they are to side effects. One of my partners in my uh, practice over the years uh, used to say that uh, drugs are uh, poisons with a few good side effects, and, and that's true. And uh, I think any good physician has to respect 
the potential damage that many medications can give. So the question is, how do we distinguish dementia getting worse from a side effect of a drug? And, and that admittedly is sometimes tough, but a couple of questions that we can ask. One, is this a common or even a reported side effect of the drug? I mean, I've had people report side effects that I think had nothing to do with the medication. The side effect had never even been reported. It doesn't mean it couldn't be, but it's less likely. Secondly, most of the drugs that are used in older folks, I can probably safely be stopped for a short time. Some of them require the dose to be tapered and they can't just stop it directly. You can often get people off the drug without too much harm. And uh, then you know whether the side effect was caused by it or not. And if you have a major problem develop, there's no harm with starting the drug again. And then we always want to ask, particularly with older folks, is this drug that I'm taking really necessary? Is it really helping? And and I, I encounter that a lot with uh, the drugs that are used for dementia. They have proven to, in some patients, delay the progression of the disease, but no one believes that they really make the disease better. They may just slow it down some. And of course, how do you know if a drug is slowing the progression of a disease? The answer is simply, you don't. And uh, so my attitude has always been, if there seems to be a significant side effect, the amount of benefit from these uh, dementia drugs, it does not justify their continuance. So our, the next question that was sent in is, how can believers have a biblical perspective on modern medicine? That is something which I've thought through uh, quite a bit and written quite a bit on over the years. Uh, but I start with... Genesis 1, when God created Adam, he said to take dominion over the earth. And I view all technology, including all medical technology, as part of that mandate to take dominion. All disease, I believe, is a result of the fall. God created a world and called it good. Everything worked together well. There was life, there was health. There was uh, righteousness and peace. These were all part of God's original creation. And then when Adam and Eve first sinned and disobeyed God, all of that good creation began to unravel. Health became disease. Life became death. Righteousness became evil. It all, as I said, began to unravel. It was no longer the good creation that God had made. But God, I think primarily through Christ, allows some of that, the results of the fall to be reversed so that sin can become righteousness, death can become life. And I think in that same paradigm, we can say that uh, disease becomes health. Uh, that is all part of God's reversal of the effects of the fall. But I think it's good to emphasize that most of the time God works, he uses some human intervention. Just think through how many miracles we see in Scripture where uh, it was done with some human participation. When God wanted to open the Red Sea, 
he told Moses to hold out his staff. When they uh, wanted to purify polluted water, he told uh, Elisha to, to throw in the, the tree. I love the story of the feeding of the 10,000. When Jesus was uh, confronted with 5,000 hungry men on a hillside and wanted to feed them, he could have prayed and asked God to raise their blood sugars 50 points. He could have prayed and asked God to fill their bellies with roast beef and mashed potatoes. But instead, what he did was use what a little boy had to give, which was five loaves and two fish. He broke them and fed the multitude by that miracle. And uh, God used that little boy to accomplish, do his part in the miracle. And by the way, I, I suspect that the person who filled his stomach the most that day was that little boy. And I think he went home to his parents with a very full tummy, been thrilled by being a part of Jesus's miracle. And so I, I think God is the one that heals I think he uses medicine. I don't think it's medicine that heals. We used to have a sign in the basement of our office where I practiced for many years, which said, God heals, the physician collects the fee. I think that's true. It is God who heals. And, you know, we often give thanks for our food when we sit to eat. One thing that I think a lot of Christians say when they give thanks for the food is, please bless it to our body juice. And, and, and yet, I, I think when we're taking pills, we should bow our heads and say, Lord, thank you for this penicillin, or thank you for this blood pressure drug, and please bless it to my body's use, because it's God who does the, the work. We just are participants. And then that brings me to the other key part in uh, understanding the role of, of God in medicine. I mean, in, in James uh, chapter 5, he, he tells us when we're sick to call for the elders of the church and pray. And uh, prayer is an essential part of, of God's healing work. And I, I don't think that ex excludes non-elders, but uh, uh, we, we may want to start with them and uh, recognize that there's, there's nothing that's going to be truly beneficial in the medicine that we're taking unless God is at work. And uh, what a privilege it is to be co-laborers with him in that project of medicine. The last question we want to discuss today is, how does someone finish their race well with dignity and to the glory of God? That is an issue which has really intrigued me for a number of years. With that question in mind that I, I decided to do a, a degree at Trinity uh, Evangelical Divinity School in bioethics so that I could come to a better synthesis of scripture with my geriatric practice. And uh, it resulted in the first book which I published, which is called Finishing Well to the Glory of God. Right now, I'm just finishing a fourth book, which I am calling Retirement for the Glory of God. You know, how do we just intentionally plan our retired years to be able to bring glory to our, our Savior? Well, thinking through the kind of basic outline of the book Finishing Well, I, I, I start with the, the need to keep ourselves healthy. I mean, there's a lot of things that we need to do in our later years uh, to promote good health, and promoting good health hopefully promotes good opportunities for service to God. And that implies 
get, get, get into a good, good diet. And sometimes I need to remind myself of that. It means to get out and get some exercise, follow through with your medical checkups and your screening tests and all those things, I think, go toward helping us finish the race well. Most of us are, are pretty tied to the world. We're, we're tied to the world's things. We're tied to the world's values. And we need to look at our, our lives and ask, where is my heart? Is my heart on the things of this world? Am I valuing the things of this world? Do my values reflect the values of the people around me? Or am I treasuring God and his things, treasuring his values? Am I thinking the way God thinks and begin to uh, realign our, our values to be like him? Then the next thing, and this is, this is tough, uh, I talk about the five Ds, uh, disease, depression, dementia, death, uh, all so common toward the end of life. There's oftentimes suffering that comes at the end of life. And, and I think it's critical if we're going to end well to have a good theology of suffering. We need to be able to allow the difficulties of life not to make us question and run away from God, but to push us to depend more on him. And so part of finishing our race well is understanding God's use of the difficulties of the end of life to make us more like himself. Next, we, we need to understand technology, as we discussed under our previous question, and uh, accept the many things which medical science can do to help us live longer and better lives, but be very, very careful that we put our faith not in technology, but in God. I, I used to do some work in the intensive care unit at one of the local hospitals, and I would round in the intensive care unit, and I would find people there who were fighting for life against almost impossible odds. And, and you knew they were going to die, but they were still clinging to hope. Uh, hope not in God and in heaven, but in hope in some miraculous cure uh, that uh, we knew wasn't going to come. And we need to help people use technology when it's appropriate, but not put their faith in technology. One phrase that I've used many times over the years with believers as they come to the end of life is, quote, heaven's not so bad, you have to fight too hard to keep out. And uh, we just need to help people understand that uh, it is God's will to take us home to glory, and we shouldn't be fighting against him. We want to be able to rest in Jesus when, when the end of life comes. It's not a fight to the finish. It's not a failure of technology. It's simply being able to rest in God. And I, I honestly, I'm a great fan of hospice, and I, I think it's wonderful to be able to uh, use what hospice can give us, uh, allowing us to be home with our loved ones and families and die peacefully, not make it a fight to the finish, because we're, we're ready to go. We're ready to see Jesus. You know, we're, we're finishing that race. Uh, I've fought a good fight. I've finished the course. And there now lays up for me the, the crown of 
righteousness, uh, which the Lord has secured for us. I love Hebrews 12, talks about running the race. And the, at the finish line is Jesus, and we're in the stadium there. And uh, I, I see that stadium is filled with all God's people who have gone before us, and they're sitting in the grandstands there saying, Go, John, go, John, run hard, run to the end. And then at the end of the race is Jesus standing to welcome us home. If we can keep our goal in view, I think it makes the passage much easier. As we close this morning, I just remind you that God is in control, is loving us, and God is able to honor himself uh, through the later days of our life. And it's not something we need to fear, but we can look forward to the time when we are with Jesus.